With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to In Conversation With, a Hollywood Reporter podcast produced in partnership with Apple TV+. In each episode, we'll sit down with the creators and stars of some of TV's most compelling shows to hear more about what went into bringing these stories to life. I'm Rebecca Ford, Senior Awards Editor at The Hollywood Reporter, and for this episode, I'd love to welcome Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, the executive producers of Little America, Apple TV Plus's series that highlights eight powerful and true immigrant stories. You also probably know them as the Oscar-nominated screenwriters behind 2017's hit, The Big Sick. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today to chat a little bit about Little America. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I... Love the show. I rewatched it actually over the last week or so. And I have I have to say having this to watch during this weird time was really wonderful because every story ends with a, you know, a really uplifting, beautiful ending and it felt really good. So thank you for making it. <laughs> yeah, we could not have foreseen uh, the circumstances where people would be watching it. But here we are. Well, you hadn't. But I knew I was like, we're making a show for a global pandemic. We're all going to be quarantined. <laughs> so we want to have uplifting endings if we can. Well, good job. Wish you had told the rest of us that that's what was going to Yeah, that would have been helpful. But, I know. Well, what a bad use of time that I had. <laughs> I, we decided to produce a eight-episode eight TV show instead of warning people. Just want to clarify, <laughs> these are jokes. Kumail yeah. knows nothing. Also, also <laughs> horde masks. <laughs> so I guess we should start with sort of the beginning. You know, I assume after the big sick, you guys got plenty of offers or ideas sort of thrown your way. What was it about Little America that that made you want to be a part of this one in particular? We we definitely did. I think that's a, a beautiful and odd thing about when you have uh, make something that's successful is that suddenly you are kind of somewhat flooded with people being like, hey, you want to be involved with this? You want to be involved with this? And Little America is genuinely the only thing we had, we have attached ourselves to since the big sick. And for me, I the very basics were when you hear an idea that you're like, that is so great. Why didn't it exist already? I want to watch that. And if I need to be involved with it to watch it, then that is exactly what I'll do. It just it felt so uh, perfect. Yeah, it just as Emily was saying, it just felt like an idea that we wanted to watch. And we could see we were like, oh, you could do seasons and seasons of this thing. It's one of those things that you're like, I can't believe this show didn't exist already. And you knew that just were going to be so many different, beautiful stories. And, you know, we found that a lot of immigrant stories, no matter what side of the debate you're on, obviously it's a hot topic, they all were sort of in the same ballpark. You know, they all were about struggle and strife. strife. And, mm -hmm. and I think those stories are very, very important as well. But we wanted to show a different side of the immigrant experience. We actually wanted to show that there's no such thing as the immigrant experience because every immigrant's experience is different. And the only way to show a story like that, to, to sort of, um, you know, elucidate an idea like that is to do an anthology. Mm -hmm. And 
So this first season had eight different stories, but I'm assuming there were, when you're sort of picking the stories, there were many, many, many to choose from. How did you sort of decide on which ones were going to be a part of this first season? The one thing we wanted to, we wanted to do for sure was that we wanted to have a breadth of uh, experiences. We wanted a wide variety of countries that the people came from, ages of the uh, protagonists of the stories, uh, time periods that they came from. So that was really what we were, and, and parts of the United States that they were going to, because I feel like often uh, immigrant stories are like, oh, and then they go to New York. AKA coming to America. Yeah, like it's that's always kind of the narrative, but there's so many places that immigrants go all over the country. So that was all we were really looking for was a variety, more so than the tone, more so than anything else. We wanted a variety. Yeah, yeah. As you said, we we had so, so, so many stories. To, so many. So many stories. And more we were coming in as we were starting production. Yeah. yeah. And, and really part of it was we were like, oh, we want. We, we sort of saw each episode as belonging to a different genre. So it was like, we'd love to do an immigrant sports movie. We'd love to do, you know, we just wanted to sort of almost think of it as a different movie genre each episode. Mm -hmm. How were this, these stories coming in? Were you, was it sort of research-based and finding them or were people bringing them to Epic you guys? Magazine, which is uh, who we partnered with, Josh Behrman, who runs Epic Magazine, he had started collecting and going, I mean, he went old school, like putting up messages on bulletin boards in small towns, like really, really reaching out. He does, he's an amazing, that entire staff is amazing at research. Yeah, they did, they would like sort of be like, oh, this little town somewhere has a big Vietnamese population. So they would go through and look up like old newspapers, like from the seventies and eighties to see if there were stories to do with that Vietnamese community that seemed interesting. So they, I mean, and then as people heard about it, more people were kind of flocking in. One of our stories for season one was from a writer director who came in hoping to like direct an episode and ended up talking about his mother. And that became an episode. That's yeah. Steve Chan's episode. Yeah. Uh, so really was from a variety of places. But for the most part, for the first season, we did it from Epic Magazine's research, which ended up becoming a book called Little America that you can buy now and see the real people's stories. So when you're dealing with such culturally specific stories and true stories, how much creative freedom do you have when you're telling them for television? Just as much as anybody else's stories. I think we brought to this the experience of taking a real story and adapting it to become a narrative. And I think what you want to do is just make sure you're, everybody's life has every genre in it. It's got a horror movie. It's got an action movie. It's got a romance. Everyone's life has all of these stories. We could only pick one story to tell for each one. So I think that was part of our role was to like cut down the narratives to be something that was digestible in 30 minutes. And we had a wealth of details from the subjects who were giving kind of interviews. And then sometimes we'd use those as a jumping off point. Again, these are not documentaries. These are fictionalized versions of these people's stories. We did try and stay true to sort of the soul of their stories, right? And we found sometimes when we were trying to write it, we would get stuck, we would we would talk to the subjects and we'd find something that was so much more real and unpredictable than anything we could have written. You know, for instance, um, Iwe's story about the uh, gentleman from Nigeria who becomes a cowboy, we expected he puts on a cowboy suit, suddenly people look at him differently. He feels more sure of himself. That was not the case. He said he put on the cowboy outfit for himself and 
there was not much of a reaction from the people around that him. That he felt different, but that he didn't get a huge, a different reaction from people. Yeah. So, yeah. so we were like, wow, that's really interesting. There's this great moment when he walks into his classroom and you expect everyone to be like, oh, wow, look at him now. Nobody looks at him because like everybody's a, in their own world. Like a 1980s, like sunglasses moment. That's yeah. And the thing I was distracted by was thinking about the, um, the cookie episode, Beatrice, there was a whole storyline in that episode where she was fighting with squirrels who kept trying to like steal the cookies off of her windowsill as they were cooking. That That's was like, a real life thing. That was actually happened in life is that she was had this ongoing battle with squirrels that while she was baking these cookies and uh, that got cut out of the episode. Because Great. it just didn't fit. It just didn't make sense. I mean, there's just there are just so many details, you know, and you really want to figure out what the story is because we did want them to be about half hour. We sometimes I find with streaming shows, the leeway you get with length leads to a lessening of quality because I think certain parameters are very, very good. So we really wanted to stick to about 30 minutes. So I think the longest one is maybe 32, 33 minutes. Mm -hmm. We we didn't want to like go beyond that. Have the subjects all seen their episodes at this point? Did you get any feedback from them about it? It really depends. We All of the subjects' involvement was based on what they were comfortable with, not what we needed from mm-hmm. them. And so some of them visited sets. Some of them brought their kids to sets. Some of them... Some of them were at the premiere. Some of them were at the premiere. Some of them were not super involved at all. So it just really depended on what they wanted to do. Yeah, we let them dictate how they wanted it. There was, you know... Um, Actually, Iwe, who was just talking about, his daughter visited set. Mm-hmm. And she was moved because she was like, I've heard all these stories about my dad, from my dad. And now I get to see these stories for the first time. So so that was a very moving experience for so her. So we can't speak to specifically how many of the eight have actually seen them. We know many of them have, but we can't say for sure they all have. all seen them. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they all, from the ones we've heard, they were all very excited. That's really cool. I'd love to hear a little bit about the casting because obviously, you know, these aren't a ton of no name actors, but it's very clear that authenticity seems to have been important. You know, they speak the languages of these stories. Tell me about um, how how difficult it was to find the right actors for these stories. Here's what we learned doing it. It is difficult but it's worth the effort and it is not Mm -hmm. by any means impossible, right? So you see all these movies and TV shows and you sort of see the same people showing up. And one of the things you hear when people are like, oh, there's not, when they're sort of defending lack of diversity, they're saying, well, they're, they're, they're not out there. Yes, they are. There are extremely talented actors, writers, directors uh, who have not gotten their shots. So it was a little bit more work. Our and casting uh, people were amazing. Amazing. Really, really good. It, they were amazing. But we ultimately found people, you know, we think all these people are so talented and stars, you know. I mean, they're so, 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 so good. So to us, it was very important that the casting be authentic. And while that was a little bit more challenging, it's not like we were a huge budget show. We couldn't spend months and months casting. If we can do it... Everybody can do it. And we weren't doing it to check a thing off a box of like, oh, we did the right thing. We did it because it made the episodes better. Yeah. Like, so Confidence, who plays the cowboy in that episode, is so clearly a star. I think at one point he was based out of Atlanta. I think when we found him, he was in Georgia. And he now, I think, lives in L.A. I think so. And you know what what happens is when you get people who are authentic to the stories who speak that language, the passion that they bring to the project is not something you can fake, you know. So we got, excuse me. I was like, are you getting choked <laughs> no, up? I love no, no, it. No. <laughs> we got all these people who 
were just so excited to be telling stories in their own language. The two lead actors of the Rafiq episode specifically really, really poured themselves into that episode. And I'm still in Haas contact. Haas and Adam, yeah. Uh, I'm still in contact with both of them on a regular basis because it, it was clearly important to them. And I think you can feel that in their performances. Not that they wouldn't be knocking it out of the park if they were playing anything else, but they've never gotten to play parts like that before. I'm just glad that the world got to see it. And I know you you guys went around and pitched this show to different networks before landing at Apple. Did, you know, not having stars, that feels like one of those things that some networks would be like, but could you just put famous people in these roles? Or were there other sort of surprising or annoying feedback you got as you brought this around? Or did you feel like because of the time we're in, people are more open to this story? I think some, we got like some thoughts about like, oh, it's an anthology, but you need something to connect all the episodes. Maybe they all go to the same immigration lawyer. We were like, we're going to have to spend so much time just setting up that part of it. And a lot of, we got less than feed, more than feedback. We got no's. We got a lot of no's. We got rejected quite a bit. And it is a, a show that I feel like maybe 10 years ago could not have existed. At all. Yeah, and possibly, like, possibly couldn't be on a network, uh, on one of the basic networks, but why not? Right. I don't know why I'm even saying that, but I think it's, it, we were very happy that Apple took a chance on a show that didn't have stars, that were known, that didn't have, often was not in English. I think they took a chance, which was wonderful. Yeah, and, and, and that the protagonists weren't, didn't look or sound like the protagonist that you traditionally see in American movies and TV shows, as you, as you, as you said, things are changing a little bit, but still, people are still afraid to take those risks, you know. Well, I'm glad Apple did because it's a great show. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. We were happy too. Yeah, we were we were very happy. I mean, we went and pitched it to. I'm sure if you guessed the ten places you went and pitched to, you would be exactly right. And we, we were, you know, we were like, this is a great show. We've got great like people involved. This is like the stories we have are so so compelling. We went and pitched, being like, all right, here we go. Everyone's going to be so excited about it. Everyone loved the pitch. Almost nobody wanted to like put money down for it. And you guys co-wrote the episode, The Rock. Tell me specifically why that was the episode you wanted to focus on. Well, we loved that story. I think I'll say very basically, we wanted to also write that. That episode was kind of written first as a way of like, let's see if we can set some sort of a tone sort for what a, the series. For, as a proof of concept. Yeah, yeah. of, of um, what we kind of wanted, like nothing that we wanted to be kind of have moments of humor, moments of like heartbreak, moments of kindness and moments of loveliness. But I think for that story, I just love that character. Like the, this like tenacious, like nothing's ever going to stop him. He's just going to go for it. He's positive. Yeah. And, you know, for us, that was a great like sort of a statement for what we wanted the show to be like, because you haven't heard that story, right? You have not heard the story about an Iranian immigrant who buys a piece of land and has to figure out how to move a mini mountain off of it. And to us, that was a proof of concept because we were like, we're telling the immigrant stories that you don't generally get to hear. You know, you're going to you're going to hear you're going to watch stories that are going to be interesting, fun, funny, sad, all across the emotional spectrum. But they're not going to be hopefully familiar. And sometimes we'll have small stakes, not small to the person experiencing them, but maybe like ultimately it's not this like life or death situation that right. uh, this character was involved in. He just wanted to get this rock off his property. I mean, and the other thing that Emily mentioned that sort of speaks to the reaction we've gotten, which is this idea of having an immigration lawyer or something as the connective <laughs> tissue. 
to me, that's so antithetical to what the show is. We don't want this show, these people to be defined by their immigration process, right? I mean, that's the most obvious place to go. And we do have some episodes that do talk about the immigration process because that is part of the struggle for some people, but we did not want them to be defined by it. So if you see, you know, the, the, the rock episode you're talking about, he talks about how he loved living in Iran. He talks about how he came here because he wanted to have different opportunities here. So it's not, we, we just wanted to stay away from the cliched immigrant story stories that that we've heard many times. Yeah, and I think you do prove that, you know, there are so many different immigrant stories. My mom is an immigrant. She came over um, from Indonesia. And so, like, I have, you know, this very specific story I relate to, but I can say that I related to something in each of these episodes. So I'm curious if you had to sum up a through line that makes these so relatable, how you would sort of explain it. Before we answer, can I ask you? Yeah. Do you know any good Indonesian restaurants in LA? <laughs> um, I do not. And I have a long tirade about how I feel like you just have to go to Indonesia. To I've get looked, good I've Indonesian looked, restaurant. and I haven't been able to find like good rendang would be, oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm always on a search for like gadu gadu, but it's yeah. like, it's in the Bay Area. My mom is, lives up there and has found better options. I have the same problem with Chinese food, too, so, you know. <laughs> uh, some friends have turned us on to Szechuan places that are pretty good. But, and then there, I feel like there's, like, an Indonesian place in the Grove that was, like, the only one I oh, heard of. Oh, yeah, it was okay. That was, like, a Singaporean, Malay, yeah. Indonesian place. You know, I grew yeah. up in Pakistan, so we actually had Indonesian food around. Like, that was, like, like gado gado oh, and rendang, mm-hmm. like, like sort of my mom would make it like it was sort of part of it's not part of Pakistani cuisine but it was one of the cuisines like you know how Mexican is pretty common yeah. here we had yeah. we had Indonesian food so I do miss it Australia had it Australia had a lot Australia of does have it yeah because it they all go back and forth to visit there guys should we just make this a food podcast Emily answer the question <laughs> oh, sorry uh, what uh I would say what ties what's the through line what's the through line I, the through line is like is that human ex- human emotion is human emotion and human experience is human experience. You could also jokingly say, we all disappoint our parents. <laughs> That's a through line yeah. that is quite universal. But I do think, you know, I was a therapist before this and part of what they would always tell us in school is you're not going to relate to the person. The person across from you is going to have, as a therapist, your client will have very different experiences in you that you will not know where they are coming from, even if you've had their experiences. But what kind of can, you can connect to is the emotions that they're feeling as a result of those experiences. We've all felt heartbreak. We've all felt terror. We've all felt elation. And that was something we tried to keep in mind when making the show is you, you can't relate to that person's experience. Every person has their own experiences, but maybe you can relate to the emotion they felt as a result of those experiences. Yeah. And that ultimately this is as cliche as this sounds, it's completely true. All of us have much more in common then we don't, you know, we all want the same things. We all want food, love, a place to live. And so Mm -hmm. in some way, each of these stories is about that. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm curious about the two of you as collaborators. How do you work together when you're writing? Is there anything like do, does one of you do heavy lifting on certain things or have certain strengths or how does it, how does it work with you two? both pretty strong we usually we tend to divide up things into chunks like one we'll develop like an outline together and then we'll divide it up into chunks and be like you write these scenes i'll write these and then we trade off rewrite trade off rewrite and we just keep doing that until we kind of both feel like they're together which when we were since we wrote that episode of the show with lee 
he was like, yeah, I've never worked that way before because we kind of brought him into that. <laughs> right, because he also had a writing partner, Gene. Yeah, I mean, they don't, still they don't work the same way. No, yeah. We, yeah, we break the story together, send them back and forth. And then the final thing that we do generally is we'll each sort of take a character and do like a character pass. So, so mm-hmm. you know, Emily will be like, oh, I really think I get this character's voice. I wanted you to just go and make sure that that's consistent. And I'll take another character and make sure that their voice is consistent. So... It's really a lot of writing separately, rewriting each other's stuff a lot. Like it, it goes pretty fast because we're just sending pages back and forth and rewriting, rewriting. And then generally right at the end when it's all done, we go back to the same computer, put it up on the screen and just go through it page by page, make sure we like everything. That's the final step. The dumb thing is that sometimes we'll put jokes in just to make the other person laugh that we don't intend to like ever be in the final product, right? We don't intend for them to be in the final product. <laughs> hey, maybe people have your sense of humor. Uh, yeah, we'll do like dumb little jokes within it to kind of like, or things that I'll sometimes put in things that I know you're going to hate just to see if you flag them as you're going through. It happens. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's interesting because we're writing the story, but we're also communicating with each other, yeah. right? So sometimes we communicate with explicit messages, not explicit messages, but explicitly <laughs> using like, like I'll be like, Emily, all caps, like Emily, what about this, this, this? I don't enjoy that all caps now that we're talking so about sorry. it. So <laughs> sorry, I'll change it. Uh, but we'll we'll sort of communicate to each other through that, through the script notes. And then also within the description and stuff, we'll sort of put in little in-jokes for each other. I find if we're sitting together and talking through something, like, it's it sometimes is a recipe for us, like, getting a little heated with each other. So it's better just because that's how it works. Like, that's how it is with anyone. So it's better for us, to, I think, to go through things separately and then kind of discuss them once we're, like, finished. But we work very well together. We figured it out, I think. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said so we got so heated, good. so I was thinking about that. <laughs> And between the big sick and this, like, I'm just really excited about the stories you guys have already gotten to tell in a Hollywood that is sort of slow to open to change. But what else do you want to tell in the future? How many ideas do you have sitting up there that you're just we're like, working ready on to something jump on? right now? Yeah, well, we're doing obviously season two of Little America. Yes. We just mm-hmm. turned in our episode to Apple uh, where Emily and I wrote uh, another episode this season. And then we were just finishing up our next the the next movie we've written since the yeah. big sick. We're we're just this is kind of a hot scoop right now. Is it a hot scoop? A little bit. I mean, we're no, just we almost really done. Like we're doing scoop. the final pass. Emily's doing her final pass. She's gonna give it to me. I'll do my final pass, and then we'll probably. And what would you say that one's about? Oh. What, how much Please are we gonna tell say? me? <laughs> well, you know, to us, it's 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 a lot about the things that our other stuff is about, but. Another aspect of the stuff we love that we haven't gotten to make yet is we really like sci-fi stuff, too. So so it's a very, very grounded movie, but it is a comedy and it is sort of a high concept sci-fi movie, but not like, you know, not like a huge budget thing. It's another thing. I would say in some ways it is similar to The Big Sick in that it's really sort of character and relationship based. It's not like a big crazy spaceship movie even though i do love those that's all that's all we can do that sounds exciting i haven't heard about this before i'm excited to no we're almost i mean we're just you know the the pandemic has been truly terrible for many things but one thing it's been good for is that we finished like got a draft of this done in the past few months which is great yeah that's great 
And you mentioned it, but I know season two is already a go at Apple. So you guys are done writing for that or where is it in the no, process? I mean, Pretty it's, close to done. It's, it's gotten a little messy just because we had a writer's room and the pandemic uh, made it that we had to disband our writer's room and kind of move it to online. So it's been a little, um, it's not gone the schedule has not been what we originally anticipated. But we'll but say. actually, the the script schedule hasn't changed that much. Obviously, we were supposed to start shooting this month. That is not going to happen. But we're still sort of delivering scripts at about the same schedule, and we're much more than halfway done. I think uh, we're we're almost done writing the season, and now we actually just got an email today, being like, "Hey, let's start talking about how and <laughs> what's when. gonna." Although I don't yeah. know if we're able to talk about that quite. Frankly. Yeah, I mean, we we truly yeah, we don't know. we we actually don't know when we get to shoot it, but I can't say we were supposed to start shooting right now. Yeah, it's it's tricky because no one sort of knows what happens yep. when and everybody's all that, waiting for but... someone to do something, and I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah. want us all to be safe. That's all I want. Yeah, that's obviously yeah. the most important thing. So we're gonna end the podcast with a couple lightning round questions, but I of course do want to give a shout out to your own podcast staying in with Emily and Kumail. You guys are doing this weekly now. How did how did you decide to add this to your busy how did schedule? We <laughs> well, so we just, I'm friends with this producer, which should be... Well, basically what it is, is we have a bit of experience having to quarantine ourselves because the condition I have has made it that I've had to stay at home for long stretches. We also have experience working from home. And Emily's a therapist. That I Yes, and Kumail is very funny. <laughs> and you're also very funny, so you could do both things that I could only do one of them. So we thought we have a, a friend who worked at Three Uncanny Four. That's the name of it, right? Our, our yeah, and they had gods. a deal with Adam McKay's company, and they were just like, "Is there? Would you guys be interested in doing a podcast?" And we sort of talked, and very quickly we were like, "Yeah, let's 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 try." It seems interesting. It's also, you know, this was like right when the lockdown started. Feels like twenty years ago. It, but it feels was not. so long ago, but it's it's been over but two I think months now. It's helped us kind of cope in a kind of, I guess, a public way. But it's helped us cope. And if people, the response has been lovely, and it's it's been nice to know that, like, as we're going through this, kind of everybody's going through this, and that's all we really wanted to do is to provide a bit of entertainment and a bit of kind of coping. And a bit of like solidarity, like yeah, yeah, and it just helps, and and we it makes us feel like we're doing something because we're also all the money goes to charity, That's so right. so you know you can feel so helpless doing some during something like this, obviously, and so we this this makes us feel like we're just our attempt to wrest control from the <laughs> yeah. from the gulf of nothingness that's out there. <laughs> Well, I think it's great and it's a great idea to do it. So I'm glad you are. All right. So we're going to end this episode with our lightning round questions. So the first one here is if you had to quarantine with one of the stars of Little America, who would you want to quarantine with? Innocent, uh, who is the young yes. man who plays Beatrice's son. He's a yeah. five-year-old. He's adorable. He is made of charisma. Yes, he is. Innocent. Yeah. That's then it. you'd have a five-year-old in your house all the time. Oh, you're that's okay. a good point. Let me get back okay, to you then. <laughs> we've given ourselves an extra job because that's the big difference in the quarantine, right? Like people who have kids and who don't have kids, the experience <laughs> is so different. Okay, so maybe not innocent, even though no fault of his own. Yeah. He's amazing. I'm, I'm going to stick with innocent. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. Kamel, you want to give a different answer? <laughs> wow. Um, I would, who would I want to? Uh, you had a chance to go innocent. I like Confidence. I think he's 
very he's 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 awesome and he's a, he's a fun guy. I'll I'll go with confidence. Okay, perfect. And our last one here. What's one way you'd say your life has improved during this stay-at-home period? My skin's great because I don't wear makeup anymore. <laughs> it's true. That's a great one. I don't mean to be. We're never going back. <laughs> I, I I have put it on to do like Zoom stuff, and I've been like, "What is this? I'm putting on my face. What a nightmare!" Um, listen, all kinds of emotional stuff is going on. Sure, I don't mean to be what shallow, but I will be shallow. My skin's way better now that I don't wear makeup every day. You. Yeah. I will say, I think our relationship, it's been good for our relationship to sort of really be with each other all the time. And there's just, we've just had a lot of conversations and I found out a lot about Emily, even though we've been together for 14 years, a lot of stuff about her that I didn't know specific stories or her coping strategies or how he, how she feels about things. So, so I guess our two answers are mine is getting to know Emily more and Emily's is her skin looks better. That's perfect. I, I recommend everybody start a podcast with their significant other during this time. Cause it's a very interesting style of conversation to have, even if you never release it and maybe don't, but I think it's, I think it has been quite lovely. So I, yeah, I'll say our relationship. I <laughs> know you yeah. can't change your answer. It's skin. <laughs> Your skin looks great, too, though. Your answer was literally skin deep. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And and congrats on the show. It's such a great, entertaining series. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, it's nice talking to you. Thank you again to Kamail and Emily for sitting down with me today. And everyone can check out Little America on Apple TV+. And be sure to stay tuned for our next episode with more talent from another Apple TV Plus series coming next week. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.